and we're back for another episode of the Under Pressure podcast. I'm your host, Jake Barker. Now, I hope you have had a chance to listen to both of the uh, new episodes, both the first one about myself, because, you know, I love talking about myself, and the second one, which was a bit of a, a Q&A on, on different types of injuries. So if you haven't had a, have a, haven't, haven't had a chance to listen to that one, uh, go have a listen and then tune into this one as well. So uh, we are on all or most uh, social medias as well. You can listen to our podcast at on Apple Podcasts, uh, on the Podbean app as well, and on Spotify too. So you can find us on all three of those. And social media, like I said, you can find us on Facebook, Under Pressure Podcast, and you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram, Under Pressure One un- underscore. Now, I did make a bit of a promise saying I'd try and get at least two podcasts out a week. Now, I haven't actually done that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to renege on that one, and I'm going to try and get at least one out a week. But one thing I have gotten right is that I said the next episode we were going to have a guest, and we do have a guest with us today. One of my good mates, Spencer Worrell, has joined us on the Under Pressure podcast. How are you doing, Spencer? Good, mate. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, no worries. Thanks for coming on. You're the first official guest on the Under Pressure podcast, so it's fantastic to have Ooh. you on. It's a oh, bit of pressure. I not let you down. Yeah, a bit of pressure. That's all right. <laughs> I deal well with pressure. That's all good. Uh, good to hear. Good to hear. Now, obviously on here, we're talking a bit about injuries and things like that, as you may have heard me talk about and ramble on a little bit. You know that, um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm injured and I like to talk about it a lot. Um, so we'll get, we'll get straight into it. Off off rip have you had any big major injuries over over your time playing sport because i know you're a big uh, avid avid sports player in, in lots of different areas yeah so look a bit of background about myself so i've um you know played a lot of junior football growing up um and also heavily involved in basketball so um, i think it got to a point in my life maybe for 16 where it was you'd go down the path of football and continue doing that or you go down the path of basketball. So um, for me, I chose going down the path of basketball, which um, I ended up in my later years of schooling um, at Box Hill Senior Secondary College where, um, you know, my claim to fame, Ben Simmons went to for a small patch of time. <laughs> That's um, right. Yeah, I've seen those pictures too. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I was lucky enough to go to that sports academy and um, you know represent Box Hill um, on a couple of America trips and things like that. So yeah, so I ended up you know going down the path of basketball, um, and through that I've been playing rep um, for well, probably since I was yeah year seven, so about twelve. Um, so yeah, I used to play down at the Waverley Falcons um, near, near my local, um, oh, and then. Yeah, yeah progressed through the whole rep ball um, scenario. And then I played um, one season of youth league and that was for Blackburn Vikings um, up in Blackburn. So um, yeah, so basketball is my passion. Um, football, as much as I love playing football, I was never, you know, one tough guy to get in and get the ball. I was always on, you know, the outside. I was the so. exact same. That's why I stopped football as well. I could never get in and under. I was just, yeah, I was just that guy on the yeah. outside wanting that hand, cheap handball at the side. So. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. how you <laughs> that's how you get your uh, 40 disposal each game is by sitting on the outside so 100%. Um, yeah so unfortunately that you know at the time I had to choose one and I chose basketball and um, here I am today you know still playing basketball socially um, throughout the week down at Nutterwadding um, but yeah I took 
as much as basketball could, you know, take and um, with the pressure of playing quite a lot of basketball um, through rep on top of that playing domestic, you know, you're training four to five times a week, plus you're playing two games over the weekend, um, you know, it gets to a point when, you know, your body starts to let you down um, yeah. and that can then cause injuries. So um, getting back to your initial question of have I had injuries? Well, I've had a, you know, a pretty severe one um, when I was playing football. Um, so I did my ACL, um, as oh, yeah, you yeah. probably already, yeah. as yep. you can relate to. Um, yeah, you definitely. Know, you've done yeah. tough on yourself. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they're not, not the greatest injury of all time. Um, and certainly, you know, it's not a little break. Um, there's a lot more going on within your knee. Um, so when I did my ACL, um, I was five minutes into a football grand final um, in under-14s. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. uh, so well, that's, you, you that's know, quite young. Yeah, that's quite yeah, young. Yeah, so as I was, yeah, when you associate ACLs, you, you know, you see a lot of footballers do it, you know, every second week. And, um, you know, there was some cases when the W, uh, the AFLW started where, you know, females were getting injured quite badly through their you know, ACLs yeah. and their knees uh, with all the pressure. So, yeah, I was... Well, I think I was 13 at the time and five minutes into the first quarter of a, my first ever football grand final, um, I ended up being tackled at the time. Um, I had possession of the ball and my left knee ended up, well, my left leg ended up buckling underneath, um, you know, the weight of me and the weight of the tackler at the time. And um, from all accounts, it looked like people on the sideline looked to them, it looked like I was concussed because I ended up, you know, the way that I've moved um, yeah. and the way it looked, people thought I was actually, you know, I've hit my head rather than it's actually my knee. So um, I remember in that, you know, split 10 seconds before the trainer got out to me that um, I was like, it was just a very funny sensation that was just all over my body. Um, I couldn't quite, you know, I can't quite explain it and nor do I want to go back to that <laughs> yeah, day. No, but, no, um, no, I know that feeling, yeah. Yeah, it just it was very tingly and everything was, you know, um, very numb at the time. So um, when that occurred, uh, so, you know, trainer's hands, he came out and mm. um, ended up taking a you know, short period of time to get off the field. Um, of course, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. you know, at the time I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty bad, uh, but didn't know the full extent of how bad it was. Was that initial um, until, pain? Was that initial pain? bad do you remember or was it did you no I know when was, i did mine i've I, like it was just instant instant pain and like excruciating did you get that same feeling when you're at a younger age i no i did not at the time i had no pain at all through my oh, knee wow. um it, it was just that one <laughs> yeah no it, it just felt like it was just very awkward it wasn't painful or anything um it just you know came over my body um the numbness but nothing you know the knee itself, me being agonizing pain, rolling around on the ground, nothing like that. Um, so, and I'll get to it, why, why that actually occurred. But so ended up get, being taken off the field, um, got to the end of the first quarter. Um, yeah. And at the time, it just started to balloon up. So the lactic acid buildup in the blood in my knee um, yeah. ended up becoming as big as size as a um, basketball. So... That at the time, you know, wasn't great. And, uh, you know, I knew my day was done, unfortunately. So there was just no chance of me going back onto the field. 
um, look, try to take a couple of steps of sprinting movements up the sideline. And that was just not going to work just because, you know, the weight and everything else on your leg. Um, so, yeah, that, that was at that stage at the end of the first quarter. The day was over. Um, and I just, you know, for the rest of the three quarters, just sat there and just, you know, disbelief of what had happened um, and just didn't know what to do. Um, it was the first major injury that I've sustained. Um, and that's, you know, the joys of playing you know, sport. You just don't know when you're going to get injured. Um, and it can be, you know, the minutest thing. You could be at the back behind the play and you end up doing the ACL or, you know, something like that. Um, it's just, you're out there. You just never know what does go on. Um, That'd be so innocuous, yeah. It, yeah, it can be. And, you know, some injuries are more than others. But um, for me, that was one of the major injuries that I've done so far so then the wrap-up of that the positive side we ended up winning the grand final um hey, so we beat park the orchards still got still the middle also got the <laughs> part grand of the final photo. video <laughs> yes yeah, i got part of the photo got the grand final video that you can you know watch me doing my acl but um oh lovely yeah yeah it's great oh, there you so go so you got an actual footage of it happening <laughs> I've, i have actual footage um, you still have that it? i've watched Yes, I do still have it. Not that I've watched it. No, I've watched it once. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after I've done that, that was yeah. it. Um, <laughs> I didn't flick it back on. But um, yeah, after that, you know, celebrating with the rest of the boys and um, I knew that it was pretty bad by then because I could hardly stand on it. Um, and then I was taken by my parents to Box Hill Hospital. Um, and at the time, waiting in ER, um, you know, first time I've been waiting in ER, so not a great feeling. Um, but finally got seen at about, it was 9.30 at the time, and um, they had a quick look and they all thought that it was a broken leg, um, which to me, knowing a little bit about sport and a, bit, a little bit about injuries just from watching footy and things like that, I was like, mm, don't know if it's a broken leg. It's not certainly the signs of a broken leg at all. So yeah. um, that was an interesting period that you know hour or so so anyway anyway got us let go from the hospital and they said you know come back in a couple of weeks time and we'll see how it's going mm. um you know mother's prerogative always wanted a second <laughs> opinion so the next morning i was off to a sports doctor um and who you know deals with those types of sports injuries day in day out um and at that time it was you know a couple of MRIs, a couple of X-rays, um, and yeah, found out that I had done my ACL. Um, and at the time, this type of doctor said that you know it's one of the youngest cases that he's seen in Australia of doing the ACL oh, wow. at that age. Um, I think he had another girl who was twelve, who was a tennis player, who did hers um, at yeah twelve years old. So I was thirteen, and crazy because you don't. <laughs> well, yeah, not not in a good way. But <laughs> no, that's very true. Creating history. But yeah, so we went down that path, and that day ended up draining about eighty mil of blood out of my kneecap. And the moment he drained all this blood out, and I don't do well with needles, so I wasn't looking. But um, it was probably <laughs> whopping big needle um, drained out all this blood, and I ended up getting up off the couch, going, "Oh well, I feel great." So I, I've got movement in my leg. I can do this, this, and this. And because it was just all that build up, was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was just the build up of all the, um, the, 
the blood in, yeah. in my kneecap um, yeah. and the swelling. So the swelling went down. It wasn't like a basketball anymore. It was, you know, quite small, looked like a normal kneecap and yeah. um, went to stand up on it, could stand, um, could take a couple of steps, you know, in a forwards direction. He goes, you know, don't be too clever on it because he goes, if I asked you to move laterally, so from your left to your right, um, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So, and you see a lot of AFL footballers who run up and down the sidelines a lot of the time after an ACL injury, it's, they can only do up and back. They can't do left to right side to side movements. And, you know, that's the lateral movement that in football and all these other sports that, you know, you know, you're on your knees quite a lot and you're moving left to right quite quickly. Um, so I couldn't do any of that, but at the time I felt quite a lot better in the kneecap and I could walk at least. Um, so Yes, ended up doing the x-rays, having cast put on the leg um, and then came back the next day and he said that, yes, I'd done my ACL and I've done it fully. So um, getting back to your point, was I in pain initially? No was the answer and I've not been in any pain since. Um, but if you've done your ACL fully and I, at the time I did uh, rip some of my cartilage as well and that just won't ever, ever heal. Um, yeah. But yeah. I was in no pain uh, because I'd done it fully. Sometimes when you see AFL players do it, they've done it, you know, a quarter of the way or um, halfway, and that's why they're in a lot of agonising pain and discomfort. So for okay. me, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the sense of doing an ACL injury, it wasn't painful for me because I had done it fully and maybe it was my age as well and the adrenaline kicking in, but um, I certainly didn't have any pain um, or you know, screaming or crying, things like that, because yeah, wow. I actually yeah. couldn't feel it. So there you go. So maybe it is, <laughs> you know, one of the better cases of having ACL uh, when you're not in too much pain. So yeah, I mean, you could have claimed um, the uh, the high pain tolerance if you are uh... <laughs> could have, but I, I know personally that I'm not very you know, to- tolerant with pain. So, no, I'm the same. You know, yeah, a, a need a needle's enough. Um, yeah, so no, for sure, certainly. Um, but yeah, so from there, um, I guess that. I went back to the sports doctor and um, he said that most likely would be on crutches for about six months um, and that he consulted with another doctor who David Young, who does a lot of the AFL footballers and does the ACL surgery um, down at the Avenue that I wouldn't be going down the path of surgery. So these days you see a lot of last surgeries, um, you know, you take your hamstring, you take your thigh, um, things like that. At the time, because I was only 13, I wasn't able to have surgery on my ACL because of the growth plates. I was still growing. So the chances okay. of me having surgery, too risky. So I ended up having to wait 12 months um, and it just – fully knitted by itself so just with rest and time so i didn't want it yeah okay because they didn't want to affect yeah. obviously because you're still you're still growing at that age they didn't want to affect anything that's sort of happening within your body and you, they don't want to take something from somewhere that's uh might correct because it's, it, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's not fully, fully developed. developed yeah it's not fully developed yeah so that's why um i just had to wait it out um and you know it was 12 months and it was probably the toughest 12 months of my life because at that time, sport was my passion. Wasn't too good at school. So, you know, I lent on quite a lot of sport <laughs> yeah. to get me through you know, get me through the day. So um, for me, it wasn't actually the extent of the injury that made me feel, you know, 
down on myself. It was actually the fact that I personally couldn't go to my local um, basketball team and sit there on the sideline and watch my teammates play because that to me, you know, I was doing a disservice to my teammates and I felt quite down and depressed about it because I just couldn't help them. Um, so I ended up making a decision not to, you know, go and support my teammates just purely on the fact that I was hurting inside um, and I just couldn't be out there and sit there for 45 minutes and watch basketball for, you know, a couple of hours of football because it just, it just ripped me up. So it was a very, very long 12 months. Um, a lot of AFL live um, on the TV, just oh, sitting on the couch. Can't, yeah, can't go wrong with that for sure. But, yeah, no, it is tough. It is tough though, as especially – being a 13 year old as you were and I know I'm, I'm feeling it now at 28 as well it's it's not an easy not an easy time to, to sort of go through those injuries and watching your your mates and and everything do stuff that you're you love and you're so passionate about and it like you want the best for them but you so want to be out there with them and it's it can be difficult to watch and I can't imagine what you went through as a as a 13 year old as well because there's so much going on at that age as well exactly. it's an added extra pressure is just yeah it, it'd be yeah it's, it's not it's not nice especially at that no, age it's not, oh, it's, no certainly not and you know the best part about my day at school was recess and lunch you got to go out kick the footy <laughs> or shoot the, shoot the basketball and here i'm standing there crippled with you know crutches and a brace on and yeah. that was for you know six months and um yeah from from there a lot of time sitting on the couch playing afl and things like that but it just wasn't the same um so i think i probably hid behind playing basketball 2k and things like that because that was the closest thing that i was going to get to playing mm. um, at that point in time so um yeah that's how it went and then from there we did six months of just you know letting it knit um and went back for a six-month checkup a couple of x-rays some more mris and from all accounts it was knitting back together it was perfectly fine it was getting to where it needed to be um and then i could start the rehabilitation process so um at that time uh, doing rehab when you're 13 and um having to start from scratch a bit like having to walk again um that type of scenario um you you put you get given a plan and a, um, a structure of what you need to be doing to, you know, best improve your knee and to get back out there on the park. Um, and some of the exercises I've never heard of in my life being, you know, that young and um, went through physio uh, and, you know, also with the sports doctor as well, all these certain different exercises and a lot of it was leg-based exercises. So, you know, you're, doing your, um, your bent, like your leg press at the gym. Um, I got quite good at the leg press. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and even It wasn't even just on the left leg. It was actually on the right leg because your right leg's overcompensating for, you know, your left leg at this point in time. So yeah. your right leg's doing a lot of the movement work, especially with your crutches as well. Um, so all those types of leg exercises um, were the staple for the next six months until I was, you know, in a position where I could go and start playing sport. And that wasn't even contact sport. That was just shooting basketball, you know, shooting baskets by myself. Or um, I didn't even attempt to kick the football just yet. 
um, I went back to basketball and, you know, started doing shooting because at that time you could do that without, um, you know, people hurting you or coming across your legs and things like that, like you do in football. Mm. So, um, so that was, yeah, that was that six months in time where I managed to get back to where I needed to be, but still couldn't do five on five or, um, you know, play a game of football. And yeah, from that, you know, exercise, I think that it built all the muscles around the ACL. And by the end of the 12 month period, it had knitted actually knitted back together apart from my cartilage. And to this day, the cartilage will never be um, fully there. And touch wood this point in time i haven't had any 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 significant injury back to the acl so i've been quite lucky because i know you know yourself's in the same boat where <laughs> you've done it once and you do it twice and um of course it's weaker and it's weaker than my right side and it'll always be weaker it doesn't matter how many leg presses i do on my left um you can see that my thigh compared to my right thigh just above the knee is very very skinny and you, you can do as much gym as you want, but it just won't ever be the same size. The foot, yeah, it won't um, be fully the same again, will it? Like it's, it, no. you could get it as close to it as possible, but it, yeah, if once you do one, it, it, it can can inhibit you quite a little bit, but you can only put in the work and, and get it as close as you can, I guess. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And at the time, yeah, as I said, I just, we weren't allowed to go down the path of surgery. So um, it was all just, you know, manual labor and, taking time to to get it right to as best it can be it's probably 95 percent um it won't will never be 100 and that's like any injury once you've done it once you know you just won't be the same again even if you've gone down the surgery path so um that was it for me so and to this day i have not had anything prone to the knee now and again a bit of tendonitis around the kneecap um, but that's manageable with, you know, some urofern, some anti-inflammatories. But um, that's as extent as it's gone. Um, so, again, getting back into sport, and that was the next part of it, was, you know, being back out there. And that was all great. And I haven't had a problem yet. Um, touch wood. Hopefully never, never do it again. Um, and from that point onwards, I was, you know, parents' prerogative at the time was – for their psychological um, <laughs> mindset was, bit, yeah. here's the knee brace. So um, I'll wear a knee brace for any sport I do um, just for my own peace of mind um, because when you go up for a layup or something like that, you're not sure if if your leg is going to go from underneath you. So um, at the time it was more, more for my parents, but I've just kept using it. And I every time I play sport now, I'm always wearing a knee brace. So... It's one of those things that It'll, just sort of becomes part of your routine and it's just something that you do now and it's just, it might not even, you might not even notice it's on, but you've just, you've got it there Go and to look down and go, yeah, my knee's good and it's got the brace yep. on, we're ready to go. Yeah, and it's just one of those things you do from now on. I'm sure you'll do it for as long as you play basketball and, and football too, if you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah, so no, it's just you know more for the psychological side of it that I can go 100% and know yeah. that, yes, I do have a brace. It's not going to help me. If it goes again, it goes again. It's, it's just more for the psychological mindset that, um, yeah, I can give it 110% um, and I should, I should be okay. Um. Yeah, so that was the ACL, and there was one small, 
I think maybe two years after that, I remember going to just local basketball training and the court was slippery at the time. The cleaner had just cleaned the court and I was just standing there shooting. And um, I remember my left leg slipping out underneath me and I've gone, oh my God, here we go again. Um, (laughs) And I was, you know, a bit shaken by the whole experience because it felt exactly the same way as what happened to me on that football oval a couple of years before. Um, Luckily, Nothing. There was nothing wrong with my knee. It just slipped from underneath me and that was it. But um, I do remember my basketball coach going, you're all right, you're all right. Um, it was just a lot of shock because I'm like, this could be the second time. But mm. luckily it wasn't. Uh, but, you know, you've always got to be a bit careful and a bit hesitant um, on the, the things that you do. But, um, yeah, that's that's the extent of my ACL. Um, and, yeah, mm. it's going strong and hopefully it stays that way. Touch wood. Yeah, no, 100%. I know I'm uh, I'm in the same boat. I definitely uh, want to do everything I can as well to, to limit the uh, injuries from now on. But, yeah, we have we've taken a look at um, your injuries through basketball and uh, and football there. So thanks for that. Um, obviously, lots of lots of good insight. So, yeah, definitely some uh, ripping ripping little uh, niches people can grab out of that for sure. But I know that you, you're a big uh, AFL and, and uh, NBA fan. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that straight after the break. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Awesome, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll get into some of that right after this. We're back here with the Under Pressure podcast. I am your host, Jake Barker. And today we do have special guest Spencer Worrell with us. He's been talking about uh, some of the injuries uh, he's had previously. and But now we're going to get into a bit of AFL, a bit of NBA and talk a bit of uh, D's because I know he's an avid D's fan. And uh, NBA, where he's, he's not a fan of a particular team, where, but he loves the, loves the man, LBJ, LeBron James. But we will start with the footy, the demons, mate. How how are you yes. feeling after this uh, this minor premiership for the first time in was it fifty seven years the D's have managed to finish on top? Must be feeling pretty good. Oh, it's been a long time. It's been a very very long time. Um, but you know, as every Melbourne supporter can relate, we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. Um, I know <laughs> that, uh, we've been a you know, some receiving ends of some massive losses over the last 10 years. Um, and every Melbourne supporter always knows in the back of their mind that they could do it to us again. Um, you just never know. So from week to week, you've always got, you know, 5% in the back of your mind going, mm, we might not get it done. But um, it's certainly, you know, great to be on top of the ladder. And we've been there for, you know, most of the season. And hopefully that, that's not peaked too early and that's end up going to win the grand final would be great. So, um, yeah, I think coming into this week, um, you know, Port Adelaide, oh, sorry, Brisbane's going to be a bit of a test, um, a bit of a smoky team Brisbane at the moment. So they've managed to sneak into the top four, um, which, you know, good on them. But um, yeah, I think we, we might have a very, very tough game, but I would have, you know, preferred over Port Adelaide or Brisbane, I would have preferred to go down the Brisbane path. So yeah, that's probably, um, so you yeah. Do, don't, you don't want to be playing Port Adelaide in Adelaide in front of a, you know, massive South Australian 
fan base because uh yeah especially because there's well. a whole crowd down there for sure yeah it's gonna be yeah that's it but yeah no it's um certainly two good teams gonna be going at it for sure brisbane as you said it's going on a been playing some really good footy as of late so and i believe you're playing at the adelaide oval i'm pretty sure as well i think that's the uh that's the fixture on yeah. saturday night playing at adelaide oval so you're going to adelaide anyway yeah, correct. But well, we are, but you yeah, won't have the fans in front there. of hometown fans. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> none of this never tear us apart stuff before the game. You know that's hype yeah, songs. Though I, though I gotta say, I do, I do love it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think. Do you think that's a that's a good question though? Just off the top, do you think do you, do you like that kind of thing at the at the start of a game with it with a team and their their song that they have oh, before the uh before it, the game? It's certainly hypes everyone up that's for sure i know that um you know port adelaide's got that you know we saw a couple of years ago adelaide had that power stance before the national anthem oh, you know yeah, that type right. of thing that type of thing does get into opponents heads um and it's more for the crowd you know when you've got the crowd behind you um you feel like you can do anything so um certainly i'm you know a big believer in getting hyped up i do the same thing before basketball games and things like that play some <laughs> play some beats and um you know a couple of secret handshakes and things like that but uh yeah it certainly hypes hypes the team up so do you have the power stance um, as well do you stand by yourself like just before a game or you no absolutely not. I, don't, I don't do that fine yeah, yeah, correct. yeah. <laughs> no that, that, that's fair enough now with, with the d's everyone everyone has everyone's got to have a favorite player in their team now Who's, who's your go-to? If someone asks you randomly off the street, who's your favourite D's player? Who are you going? Oh, oh, that's a, that's a that tough has, question. That's a very tough question. Um, I'd have to say you can't go past Christian Petrarca, Um, and that's just in yeah. relation to his basketball background as well. Um, you know, very good basketballer. That's very uh, true. Behind. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's it. Yep. So, you know, he's he's, re- he's represented Australia in a couple of, you know, under-19 World Cups with uh, Ben Simmons as well. And I think they're good mates by the sound mm. of things still. Um, so, yeah, no, Christian Matraga for me. Um, inside ball, gets the ball, kicks some goals. What more can you want from a midfielder? Um, hey, he's another one who's done his ACL too. So there you go, part of the fam. Oh, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that. There you go. That's, yep. that's a little very. Bit. Did he do it while he was playing the, basketball, or was he football at no, a younger age? I th- or? Yeah, no, I think no. It was his second, uh, first year once he got drafted. Oh, uh, I don't yeah. know if he was doing it through basketball over the off season. Yeah, uh, but it was certainly over that Christmas period. I know he's done something else. Um, mm. by playing basketball in December, um, probably not a very good look, but um, you know, he's, he's certainly, <laughs> yeah, certainly done his ACL, and that's ended up why I think at that point in time we drafted him as a midfielder, um, but he ended up playing quite a bit of forward, um, his first couple of seasons for the D's. So, um, yeah, it'd be yeah, good to see if you know he can get some best on grounds and uh, in the final series when it really, really counts. And the same with you know, Clayton Oliver, and um, you've got a very good engine room there with Max Scorn as well. So my go-to is Christian Petrarca, uh, but if you want to say you know, all-time favourite players, well, Lyndon Dunn. Now, Lyndon Dunn. Fam- wow, I would not have expected that. That is a very no. surprising answer. Yeah, it, it surprises people. But um, yeah, <laughs> Lyndon is friends with my father, um, so he knows um, a bit about him. So that's how you know the family connection happened, and that's why I ended up you know falling in love with him. Yeah. Um, you know, not not known for his flashy skills or anything like that. Um, but you know, the one percent isn't getting 
getting the job done. So yeah, um, yeah, getting the job done. Yeah. No, oh um, no! So, oh, we might have yes. to edit. We might have to edit that one out. Oh, yeah. have to edit that one out. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I love. I love when people come out with like obscure. Not obscure. Well, he probably is an obscure player. Like he's not the yeah, absolute he's... star. But yeah, no. that's. I, I love that. And people just throw out a just a random name, and and it's a guy that that it's more like your dedicated fans would name, like not just your. Oh yeah, I go for the D's, and I know one, two, and three. It's your real yeah, passionate right. D's fan that, that go. I, I like this guy who plays in plays at the full back line and and just gets his job done every week. Did you did you have yeah. a number fourteen on the back? I remember his number. I did. I did, did have, have number fourteen. 14. Yes, go. I sure did. Yep. yep. Um, and you know, a couple of AFL cards signed by him, and uh, yeah, he he, you know, at the time when I was. You know, avid fan he he was playing forward he was kicking goals from 50 out so big raking <laughs> right foot uh, and then yeah moved into the back line in you know at the end of his career and then moved off to Collingwood and uh, look still even though he's a, he played for Collingwood I still you know made sure I looked at his stats and things like that because I was just mm. interested in the guy and um, yeah so he's I think he's done his ACR too so it's just must be Mm. Must be the type, and recently uh, but, I think yeah. as well. It was last couple of years I think he did it, like maybe yeah. two years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, two yeah. years ago, so not not too long. And mm. you know, now he's gone into coaching, so um, good yeah, for him. But is- yeah, he's certainly my number one, you know, favorite all time player. Um, and then you know, got people like Russell Robinson who takes a great screamer and things like that. But um, oh. yeah, no, nah, Lyndon Dunn, hands down. Done. There you go. <laughs> Now we're going to keep we're going to keep the theme of sort of favorite players, and I know you're a big NBA watcher or a big basketball watcher, as you play tons of it and you, you watch heaps of it, and you sprout leagues to me that I had no idea existed, and you, you watch a nose and and everything like that. But NBA, LeBron James, I mean, yes, he's. He, I know you'll say he's the he's the goat. There's a lot of people that will debate that he's that he's second, or but Ooh. I mean you won't want to you won't want to decide between the both. No. But what 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 sort of actually what sort of drew you towards him originally? I know that yeah he's a, an amazing player, and we won't see anyone like him again. But what was the main reason to to follow him through his career? Like was it what what was the main reason? Um, I guess that when I got into NBA watching. Um, at the time, Channel One that was owned by Ten was showing a lot of Cleveland Cavaliers games, and um, yeah. he was playing for the Cavs at the time at his as his first stint as he being drafted, and um, he was just that player that just electrified every time he got the ball. Um, and guess we won't start that debate on you know who's the goat, but um, <laughs> he he certainly is up there. And um, for me, I just loved enjoying. Um, him on and off the court um a lot of people you know will always go to you know his supreme dunking skills and um the way that you know he can, he can bully people and things like that on court but off the court absolute you know star um you know giving back to the community as much as he can all the time and that's something that you know has actually drawn me to him as a as a person um as well as a player that you know, he's just a great role model that you know everyone can aspire and look up to um, in some form. Mm. Um, especially all these all these other younger kids coming through the system and local basketball and things like that. So um, yeah, to me, he's certainly the king. 
um, but um, <laughs> you know, to others, might be very different. So you know, there's some haters out there who you know, oh, LeBron James again, like it's getting boring every time he's in a final series or every time he's in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, mm. I just I love him as a player and as a person, and that's what's you know attracted me to being my number one favorite NBA player of all time. So um, yeah. I'm a sucker for LeBron. Um, I think what was that 2019 before you know all the COVID situation happened. Um, I ended up going to Shanghai, and um, the sole purpose purpose of me going to Shanghai was to see LeBron James, um, and saw him play um, in a preseason game against the Nets. And um, you know the Nets were missing some key personnel like KD, but um, it was still great to see Kyrie and um, yeah, DeAndre Jordan at the time as well. But uh, yeah, sole holiday um, for going to see LeBron James. And um, I sat outside his hotel for six hours um, so I could see him. And, like, it wasn't – didn't get anything autographed. Um, yeah. I just wanted a photo and I managed to get a photo, not with him, but from a distance, got the snap of LeBron. I'm like, this is why I came on this holiday was to get the yeah. snap. Um, so, you know – it was a pane of glass that was, um, in, you know, in between both of us. And that's mm. as close as I'll probably ever, ever get. <laughs> um, so, you know, what you do for the love of the game and, you know, love of the player, you know, take a trip to Shanghai and watch, see him <laughs> firsthand. You know, I could have gone to America, uh, but no, decided to go to Shanghai, you know, not, not as much time in the plane as you would going to America. But, um, okay, yeah. yeah, so... I'm a sucker for LeBron James. Let's just say that. No, that's that's wonderful, and it's good to hear that. And it's, he does do he does do so much. Like he, it's not just all his all his on court stuff, but he's got so many so many projects outside of basketball. And I can see like that would be uh, people who, who don't even play the game of basketball would would look could look up to him for his off field off field stuff and. I know you look up to him in, in on both angles with the on court and the off court as you, as you play plenty of basketball and, and all that. But yeah, he's just someone who's great to look up to um, and a great role model. And with the, with the uh, I Promise School that he, that he's got going over there, it's a it's, it's a wonderful uh, initiative that he's that he's doing there too, and and provides a lot of young people with a, a lot of great opportunities. So I, I think yeah, he's doing a lot of wonderful stuff for the game of basketball and. Uh, he will be missed when he when he does finally uh, take take those shoot take the boots off and uh, as we say here in Australia and and not play anymore. But yeah, well, uh, I think everyone, as you said before earlier, people are a bit annoyed at the moment that he's always there and, and around. But I think people will miss him when he's gone. So I think people should uh, appreciate, uh, as he as he likes to say, appreciate greatness. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's that's his that's his line. Strive for the greatness, which is a great which is a great term. But yeah, I think uh, everyone should be definitely uh, appreciating what he's doing at the moment. It's it's certainly it's certainly wonderful, and hopefully uh, he'll be a uh, he won't be lost to the game, which I'm sure he won't. But he's one of the greatest, so he'll he'll find some stuff uh, stuff to do as well. But yeah, we'll, we'll move we'll move slightly on now. We'll, we'll take a bit of a break, but. We will uh, introduce the new new segment, the new game, Spencer. So uh, we'll, we'll have a look into that straight after this. So 
back with the Under Pressure podcast. This is the final segment of today's show. Today we do have with us special guest Spencer Worrell, who's been sharing plenty, plenty of things and and giving us plenty of insight into uh, what he loves about his D's and uh, the King LeBron James. But now we're going to get into a bit of a game, and it's something that I actually I actually found listening to a podcast myself. Uh, JJ Reddick, basketballer, as you might know, Spencer, he's a he has a has his own podcast, and he's uh it's called uh, the Old Man and the Three, and he gets plenty of guests on and the basketball basketball players and the like, and he does this he does this segment which I which I re- really loved, and I wanted to get get going into 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 my podcast. So what we're going to be doing it's a bit of a draft, okay? So we're going to draft five pe- five players each. Could be a range of segments. So it could be from sport, could be to fast food chains or anything like that. So it could be absolutely anything. Okay. So we're going to take it in turns. For those of you who don't know how a, a draft works, so we're going to, so say if Spencer went first, then I would have the next two picks and go two and three, and then Spencer would have four. So it's a bit of a snake. We're going to go all the way down until we have uh, five picks each. Okay, so how does that how does that sound, Spencer? Are we, are we ready to go? Sounds good. You're putting me on the spot, but I'm I'll be ready. Stay All right. So today, today's first draft is going to be players who have played in the NBA that are Australian. So NBA and WNBA. All right. Okay. So so, so can do they have to be born in Australia? If they are from been if they've from Australia. They, yep. they may be selected. Okay. So okay. anyone who's been from Australia can be selected in this list. So there's going to be, it's going to be very difficult, very difficult. And just, and just to make it even more difficult, Spence, I'm going to give you the number one overall pick. Who oh. is your number one overall pick in the Australian NBA slash WNBA players? Number one pick. It's, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Who are you going with? All right. All right. I reckon Kyrie Irving. Oh, okay. I, I had a I had a feeling he might go early. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, no, I would I would probably I reckon that's a that's a pretty good pick. Early on, I think he's been pretty successful over time. And I think you, you, we, we classify him as uh, Aussie Kyrie, so we'll uh, <laughs> correct. It'll <laughs> work. All right. So number two. So my first pick. I'm wondering whether to go old school or new school. I'm wondering whether to go the Olympic bandwagon. You know what? I'm going to go the Olympic bandwagon. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for Aussie Patty. Patty Mills. I'm going to go with the number two pick. I know that's pretty controversial. Ooh, that's controversial. That's, that's controversial, oh. but he's done a lot for the game of basketball. Uh, you can see what he did throughout the Olympics and how much how much everything meant to him. Flag bearer for Australia. I think he's got a lot going for him, not just necessarily the game of basketball itself, but everything he's done uh, on court and and also been playing in the NBA for, for one team for quite a long time. Uh, in the Spurs, but now he's obviously moved on to the uh, the Brooklyn Nets, which will be a little bit interesting next season. But yeah, I'm going with uh, Patty Mills as the uh, number two pick uh, in the draft. Now for my for my second pick, I think I'm I think I'm going to go old school. 
really old school. And I'm going to go Luke Longley. Luke Longley, the big man from the Bulls. This is probably a little bit of a different pick, probably more success-driven. Uh, obviously played with uh, MJ in, the, uh, in one of his three-peats and was a, was a really key piece uh, in, in that, that second, I think it was the second three-peat. Do you remember which three-peat yeah. it was? Okay. I think it was the second three-peat. Yeah, I believe it was the second. Yeah, yeah so yeah. He, was, he was an amazing Ooh. player. He was setting screens like no other and actually recently had a, um, I don't know if you caught this, the, a second documentary. He had a documentary uh, on ABC, which I suggest everyone go have a look because, funnily enough, he didn't actually feature in Michael Jordan's The Last Dance for some reason. I don't know. I don't fully know the reason of that. But, yeah, they've made a little bit of a, a little mini series, but they've, I think they've got two parts to it. So definitely go check that out if you don't know too much about Luke Longley. Bit of, a, bit of an out there pick, but, yeah, very successful man in the NBA for sure. Now, Spence, your second pick, the number four pick. In the draft, who are you going? All right. Well, he's been left to number four, which would probably concern some people. But um, you know, based on his form over the last twelve months, I can see why he slipped down that leaderboard. So I'm going to pick Ben Simmons now. Box Hill connection. Um, <laughs> had to pick one of your own. I had to pick one, one of my own boys. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, certainly, you know, some the people out there at the moment are making sure that, you know, he's doing his off-season workouts and getting some shots up because we all know what uh, transpired in the playoff series. And um, I, I think, you know, for Ben's calibre of player, I think that um, he'll certainly bounce back and um, have a very good uh, 2020 season. Um, and who knows at the moment, still up in the air, if he will be still at the 76ers where he got drafted um, or he'll be at another team. But uh, I can't go past Ben Simmons um, as much as, you know, shooting may let him down. Um, <laughs> certainly, you know, he's facilitating as a point guard and especially at the height that he is. Um, a lot of comparisons to Magic Johnson, but uh yeah, let's just leave it at that. So Ben Simmons for my second pick. No, second pick. Oh, all right. All right. Now you've got the third one and, and the fifth pick overall. Who are you going with? All right. I'm going to go down the, the path of Lauren Jackson. Oh, you um, stole my pick. You stole my pick. Yes. Oh, yes, no. sir. Yes. Oh, I was hoping she'd slide a little bit further. Damn. <laughs> oh, you know, arguably, you know, we could sit here all day and talk about it, but... Uh, most successful um, Australian basketballer across both boards, she's actually number one. So um, the things that she's been able to do in the WNBA, um, win multiple MVPs and championships. Um, so she's certainly a catalyst for young girls and um, young women playing basketball and everyone should aspire to be like her just a little bit. Um, so she's certainly my um, number three pick. Um, so Lauren Jackson. Oh, you put me under the put me under the pump here for this this yes. pick, my third pick. Oh, oh you're I was scrambling. hoping she would slide. Oh. I was hoping she would slide. All right, now my third pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to back to the the current current day players. Now, oh, everyone knows uh, I have a big fondness uh, of shooting, and, and uh, I very much uh, enjoy. Uh, the way this man plays, he may seem like he's uh, 
he's pretty slow on the court. And I think we're, we, we all we all know who I'm talking who I'm talking about, oh, yeah. and that's the, the great man Joe Ingles. Is is, is Jingles my, Jingle Jingle and Joe, my, one of my fa- probably my favorite my favorite player uh, from Australia. I uh, have a uh, when he made his debut here in in the NBL uh, for the for the South Dragons. I was I was on board. I was I was with those boys, and I was I remember having a. Uh, a discussion with my dad about getting uh, a jersey, and I, I have that jersey to this day. And uh, he said, "Go with go with Joe Ingles because he'll be he'll be one to watch, and he'll be one that's playing for a long time." And look at that! Sixteen years later, he's uh, playing yes. and pretty successful in the NBA. So it was a it was a pretty good choice uh, <laughs> on my part in the end. But yeah, no, Joe Ingles, I've watched since uh, he's he's been in the NBL and. Yeah, he continues to to do amazing things for the Utah Jazz and still playing over there. And um, I think he's uh, the franchise leader in um, threes made now, so or, or top three wow. in that aspect. So he's uh, certainly going uh, pretty well. And uh, yeah, he's and he I managed to, managed to sneak a photo with him as well. He, he came down and hey. supported, supported his wife uh, Renee Ingles, who's a, a a fantastic uh, netball player in her own right. Played in our in our uh, main competition over here in Australia, the Super Netball League. And yeah, she was she was a great player for for a long time. And he and he came down and watched and managed to uh, uh, snag a photo with him without anyone knowing, which is <laughs> which was pretty funny. But yeah, enough about that. Enough about enough about stories. We've had plenty of that. Number four pick. Look now, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a great Aussie player. He may not have had, a, had an amazing success in the NBA, but he did play some, uh, some loose minutes uh, in the NBA here and there, but he was one of our greatest, and that's Andrew Gaze. Now, th- this, this, may seem, this may seem a little Ooh. bit low down the list. We've, we've, this, is, this, is the, this is the seventh pick, and Andrew Gaze is the seventh pick. I mean, what... We watch plenty of basketball, and we, we know how great Andrew Gaze was, and and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's just the the main current players are sort of dominating the, the standings at the moment with the because we're watching more and more now. But yeah, he was a he was a phenomenal player, although he didn't have the success in the NBA that he may have wanted. But he he got there. He got to the uh, got to the NBA. Played for the Spurs. A lot of players have actually played for the Spurs. Uh, come to think of Aussie, Aussie wise. Uh, you got himself. You've got um, obviously Paddy Mills, Aaron Baines. Uh, I think Chris Anstey played for them, and Shane Heal. I think yep. the uh, the Spurs have a bit of a an Aussie Aussie liking down there. So Jock, Jock Landau, big Jock, Jock Landau has just signed there as well. Just 100%. signed. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good call. So yeah, with the seventh pick on my fourth pick, I'm uh, I'm going with. The great Andrew Gaze. Spence, over to you with pick number eight. Oh, wow. All right. Wow. We're coming down to, you know, the bottom end of this. And I think that um, one that slipped, if you think Andrew Gaze has slipped, what about Andrew Bogut? Oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. not a bad one. That's not a bad one. That's couple of NBA one. championships with, uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors and um, been playing with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and the like. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, 
even came back down here and played for the Sydney Kings in the uh, NBL uh, for a couple of seasons two years ago. And now he's, um, I think, don't know, I think he might be half owner of the Sydney Kings. And so um, with Luke Longy, so there's um, certainly a connection there. But, um, yeah, can't go past Andrew Bogut uh, for all the things that he's also done for Australian basketball as well. Um, so, yeah, Andrew, Andrew Bogut, uh, that's my pick. Oh, that's a, <laughs> he did that. Is, that is a that is a that is a bluff on on uh, on my part. That's I've got that severely wrong. I'm, uh, my knowledge is not showing really well at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going with your last pick? Oh, the last pick is tough. There's a lot of players that come to mind that are all in that same bracket. Um, when it comes to Australian basketballers and what they've done for Australia. Um, but there's a, there's a toss-up. There's a big, big toss-up that I'm just trying to work my way through. Um, and I think that with, with my last pick, um, well, it's a tough I'm one, gonna, isn't it? It's a tough it one. is a tough one. There's a lot of plays that can make this list. Um, and we could be here for days making it even longer. But um, <laughs> We definitely could. We definitely couldn't be making this longer. <laughs> it is a tough one. Oh, yeah. It's a very, very tough one. Um, I'm going to have to go with um, Matthew Dallavadova. Wow, was not expecting that. Wow, there you go. Won a championship and, you know, with that championship um, came a lot of responsibility starting um, for that Cleveland Cavaliers team against Golden State and holding um, Steph Curry to some, you know, pretty poor shooting games. So he's certainly done his job and earned the right. Um, As, you know, a lot of Americans don't like the... The hardness of Australian basketballers, and you know, he was one who got under people's skin, but um, you know, awesome competitor. Um, you know, would give you 110% every time we're out on the court. So, um, Matthew Delavidova for me, but um, there's a lot of others that could fall into that similar last pick for sure. I know this is you, you've I've given myself the last pick, and it's a lot of, a lot of pressure <sighs> with uh, all the all the great all the great players. I'm looking at WNBA, I'm looking at NBA, and it's it's, yes. it's a real, real difficult choice. Look, you got so many guards, you got you got a few forwards in there. Oh, some, oh even a couple of centers as well. Oh now, that, now there is there is one that's that's sort of sticking out uh, at me, and uh, and it's unfortunately as of late. Uh, hasn't been in the the media for for all the right reasons. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, but I feel like uh, excluding that that stuff, she is uh, a fantastic basketball player, and uh, and I'm talking about uh, the center from the uh, Las Vegas Aces, Liz Cambage. Uh, she's a she's been next level uh, in terms of uh, women in, in the WNBA for, for Australian, Australian wise. And you, you can see watching her, she was, she was selected in, in the first round with the second pick. 
um, back when she was drafted and she's just improved her game out of sight. And I feel like um, she's a dominant force in the NBA. She, she WNBA, she makes uh, all-star games and, and, and constantly uh, um, surprises everyone with, with what she does on the court. And I think, uh, I believe she she's dunked in a couple of games as well. And she's, she's done uh, plenty, plenty for the game of basketball. And I'm sure that a, a lot of women, a lot of young girls, as you said, with Lauren Jackson, Spencer, do look up to, to her. Uh, maybe not <laughs> the off-court stuff, but um, especially with the on-court stuff, knowing that it is possible and um, just to, to reach for your dreams. And, and, she, and she certainly is doing that, being um, probably one of, if not the most dominant centre over there in the WNBA. And it's amazing to see. And unfortunately, uh, there's, there's so many... Uh, more others that we could have could have chosen uh, with, oh, yes. with this list. And I, <laughs> I'm a little bit annoyed that I can't get any more in with this, with these picks, but yeah, that that's, that's it. That's the top 10 Liz, Liz Cambage is going to round out uh, my top five and, and, the, and the last pick of the draft. Uh, be interesting to see what, what all you guys think about uh, what, our selections and uh, let us know what, let us know what you think as well. Um, but, you know, yeah. Keep in mind, you've got, you know, other players like Dante Exum, Aaron Baines, who's also won a championship as well. Um, and then you've got Shane Hill, Chris Anstey, and, you know, currently we're yet to see what's going to transpire, but Josh Giddy, who's just been drafted. So, um, we'll wait to see what happens with him, but he could also be, you know, another champion player for Australian basketball in in America. And um, hey, Matisse Steinball as well. For those who didn't know Matisse Steinball from uh, you know Philadelphia 76ers, he's Australian too. So keep an eye out for him on the defensive end. That's for sure. They'll know they'll know him now certainly from the uh, the great <laughs> the Olympic campaign that he put yes. together, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, no, you're certainly right there, Spence, and I, I think <laughs> a lot of people will forgive us, I reckon. But yeah, no, that's it. But unfortunately, it is it is uh, the end of another episode of the Under Pressure podcast, Spencer. I'd like to thank you uh, for joining us uh, as the first ever official guest uh, on the podcast. So thank you for coming and uh, sharing. Uh, all your thoughts and uh, and discussing uh, some some injuries you've had and, and giving some great insight about uh, how you how you sort of dealt with it and and all those things back back when you were thirteen as well. So you've done done well to reach back. So appreciate you coming onto the podcast, mate. No worries, anytime. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Now we're as I said earlier on in the show, we are. Uh, on social media, we, we have uh, Instagram and we have uh, Twitter as well. Uh, that's under pressure one underscore. So go and uh, give that a like and, and a share to all your friends and family. And it'd be great to see some, some more people listening and uh, we'll get some more guests uh, on in the future. We're also on Facebook as well. Now, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts as well as the Podbean app and you can hear us on spotify now as always i might do a quick little plug we're always looking for for sponsors and different things like that for the podcast so if you do know anyone feel free to get in touch with me using our our social media chain so that would be fantastic to to get a sponsor maybe uh, on the show thanks for you all for listening thanks to spencer for joining us 
and we'll see you on the next.